Welcome to America's Pal. I'm your host, Darren White. This is the number one rated podcast being recorded in my man cave as we speak. You can find us every Tuesday at noon. You can find us everywhere podcasts like to hang out and also YouTube, Rumble, or you can go to my website, americaspal.com. You can contact me directly at darren at americaspal.com. That's D-A-R-R-E-N. This is episode one, so let's let her rip, Tater Chip. Today we're going to go through what our weekly news outbreak is. We'll recap some of the stuff we might have missed this week, and then we're going to go into uh, hot-button topics that uh, we need to talk about. Obviously, there's an elephant in the room about the Supreme Court and its constitutional role. Um, We're going to look into the dangers of hyperbole and how that is no way to run a government. But before we get into all that, we have to get into one of our commercial breaks. Unfortunately, we don't have any paying sponsors, so I've had to make some up myself. So stay tuned, listen through to the first commercial break, and then we're going to get right into our weekly news outbreak. This portion of the program is being brought to you by sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their head. Wait, what is that? No, no, no sharks. Harvesting issue. Okay, supply chain. Got it. Okay, what, 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 what do we have? Come on, people, work with me. What do we have here? We have sea bass. Are are they ill-tempered? Okay, okay we'll just run with it. Okay, here we go. This portion of the program is being brought to you by. Ill-tempered sea bass with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. My apologies, that brief period of silence was actually some new leaked technology that the Secret Service is now using to monitor Joe Biden's condition. They actually have now tapped into his inner monologue. They monitor this so that anytime he might shut down, they know to step in and get him off the stage. That last minute of silence was actually what was going through his mind at this very moment. Anyway, let's get into the news outbreak. Let me explain. No, there's no time. Let me sum up. Here we go. Zelensky plays the Warren Zevon classic, send lawyers guns and money while Putin keeps singing, Putin it on the Ritz! Elon Musk flexes some coin and liberates some speech. Maybe. Dr. Fauci was spotted at his local surf shop purchasing a new pair of flip-flops. Apparently his are all worn out. Moderna wants to stick themselves into your baby, and Joseph Mengele wholeheartedly applauds. Uncle Joe says that all Americans that don't fall into line are extremists. The Department of Homeland Security establishes the American Ministry of Truth, and Orwell did a nifty little spin move in his grave. The Fed says that the transitory inflation turned out not to be so transitory after all. Build Back Better is expensive. The Supreme Court may return the power to kill a baby back to the people, making it a democratically decided issue. In other news, it's completely unrelated. Baby formula rationing has begun at your local pharmacy, making it more difficult to keep a baby that survived the womb alive. 
Mr. Hankey testified at some useless celebrity trial, stating that he had never spent any time between their sheets. The New York Times recently discovered that Joe Biden voted to overturn Roe v. Wade back in 1982. In a letter he wrote in 1994, he stated that he voted to defund abortion 50 times. When questioned about said letter, his staff informed us that it was just a simple case of mistaken plagiarism. This just in from the fear porn industrial complex. The Biden administration is warning that the U.S. could see 100 million coronavirus cases this fall. And also the Kentucky Derby long shot, 80 to 1 long shot, Rich Strike ran super fast to win at Churchill Downs. Must be the week for long shots. And that sums out our weekly news outbreak. Stay tuned for yet another completely made up sponsored break that hasn't cut us any checks yet because, well, I made them myself. This portion of the program is brought to you by Captain Ramius Submarine Shales and Service. Are you in the market for a Typhoon-class submarine? Does your current submarine need a little sprucing up before nuclear war season? Does your submarine lack the pizzazz your neighboring superpower submarines have? Have you recently acquired a super-secret submarine and are looking to make some extra rubles or dollars? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Captain Ramius Submarine Sales and Service is the place for you. To contact Captain Ramius Submarine Sales and Service, you must send one ping. One ping only. And one of these days, hopefully, we'll get a check from one of those submarine sales and service ideas that uh, might come in handy here. Anyway, let's dig into the news of the week. Back to Russia and Ukraine. I'm sorry, I have a lot of difficulty just picking a side on this, especially after two years of all of the same players still being in the same group. We're still talking Russia. We're still talking Ukraine. China, North Korea, all of it's terrifying. We go back to, we impeached a president over a phone call he made to the Ukrainian president warning him that things around him were corrupt. Of course, everybody got all up in arms saying that it was inappropriate, blah, 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 blah. But then the president did something nobody expected. He published a transcript of the phone call and in the middle of this trial, Adam Schiff and his whistleblowers and all of their statements went right out the window. But what do we do? Impeached him anyway over Ukraine. At the same time, there were stories about his son's personal business dealings in the Ukraine. His board on the seat, his seat on the board of uh, Burisma, that didn't raise any eyebrows at the time, and it still doesn't today. At the same time, Russia was the heart of every conversation in the news for the entire Trump presidency. 
It was always Russian, Russian misinformation. Russia stole the election. Hillary Clinton to this day is still saying that Russia stole the election from her and she should have been the president. But you go back to even Obama. You know, he's saying, you know, oh, there's people saying that Russia's trying to influence our elections, but I, I took care of it. I, I called Vladimir and I told him, stop it. This whole Russia, Ukraine, it's terrible what's going on. Doesn't make it right. But at the same time, here we are talking about the same players. Nothing ever changes. Then we move on. Uh, Elon Musk flexes some coin, decides that he's going to buy Twitter. Twitter, famous for their misinformation campaign, labeled everything that the administration didn't agree with or anything that would that put the former administration in any kind of a good light, well, they either killed it, banned it, or ran you off their platform. So much so that during the 2020 election, when um, the New York Post published a story about Hunter Biden had a laptop that he dropped off at a laptop repair shop, and on that laptop, the, the owner saw things that were extremely disturbing. So what does he do? He turns it over to the FBI. Somehow that laptop disappears, but not before there was enough information incriminating the Biden family, incriminating Hunter himself, his interactions with um, the sex industry, his financials, Talk about the big guy, 10% going to him, or or 10% for the big guy. Twitter shut all that down. Now all of a sudden, Elon Musk goes and says, you know what, let's unleash truth. Let's just unleash people's right to have their own opinions, come up to their own conclusions. Guess what happens? The left all of a sudden freaks out. That this is somehow an attack on our democracy, freedom of speech. Well, they're a little bit transparent, and I know it gets old just continuously harping on the hypocrisy of the left versus the right, but it is extremely telling that now they want to, to, to shut down somebody that says, hey, let's just let people talk. Let them figure it out. People are actually smart enough to figure stuff out on their own. So Elon Musk says, okay, fine. I'll sit on it a minute. Then all of a sudden he comes back and he's like, he's got his deal. It's all packaged, ready to go. The board approves it. Twitter is his. Closes in a couple of months. At the same time, it's interesting to me that the conservatives and and the, the, the people on the right always tend to kind of glom on to whatever celebrity might espouse something they might believe in. I mean, Musk is the same guy that wants to launch everybody off of the planet, take them to Mars, because we don't have much time left here either. Um, Kanye West comes to mind when the, the right goes, oh, hooray, hooray, my team, you know, we're, we finally got somebody good on dodgeball. So just be careful as we, we kind of dig into uh, and, and dig our hooks into whatever celebrity might say something we agree with. Um, Moderna wanting to approve the jab 
for babies up to five years old. They send this to the FDA to get approved, and there's people that are actually going to do it. This is a significant portion of the population that's at near zero risk, almost below zero risk. And then the jab itself is based on the variant, the alpha variant, the original one, that spiked protein that was in it, no longer exists in any of the strains we're going to see, that 100 million cases that we're going to see this fall that they keep warning us about. It's not even there. So what's the point of this vaccine, and why put it in babies? Especially since <clears throat> this thing has only been out about a year and a half, and there's, there's no long-term clinical trials. There's not been time for it. But people just glommed on and said, we got to do what's right. It's, a, it's, 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 for, it's for public health. It's for, for safety. Well, how much else has been sacrificed? How many freedoms? How many human lives have been sacrificed just in the name of, of safety, just being safe? I mean, we, we go back to 9-11, and, and this is why hyperbole always sticks in my craw a bit. It's because... If you can get on the news and you can get or you can get behind your, your administration and your and your podium, you get on your soapbox and you're using words that are just they're it's just hyperbole. There there's no fact necessary, there's no truth behind it necessarily. There might be a grain of it. But it's the most alarming and dangerous thing that we'll ever face if we don't do something. So we have to do something. And it, doesn't, it never seems like it matters what we do as long as we're doing something. As long as a group gets together and does something. 9-11 happened. The most devastating terror attack on American soil. And something had to be done. But in the name of uh, speed, shock, and awe, we, we went and did something. We started a war against, or we didn't start the war, but we went to war with an ideal. No end game, no, no mission accomplished, even though that was said. Just, we're doing something. 20 years, $20 trillion later, countless lives, all lost. And then last year, about this time, all of a sudden, Joe Biden says, by the way, it's over, we're out completely drops everything, and runs in one of the most disastrous geopolitical events in American history, just as ugly as it could get. Left our weapons there, left people stranded behind en enemy lines, and then anytime somebody talks about them, guess what? That's all just misinformation. There's only a handful of people left there. Tens and tens of thousands of people had to be airlifted because... We had to do something. Didn't matter what, just do something. So we go into the end of 2019, 2020, and all of a sudden this, this, this virus comes out of nowhere. People are looking for, for answers, looking for, okay, well, what's, how dangerous is it? What is it? Is this another your annual, we go through another fear-based virus infection, Ebola, 
a situation? Is it something bigger? Is it a global pandemic? What is it? Nothing of any substance is coming out of China. No truth is coming out of anything. So what do the American people do? Whatever the blue ribbon panels say we have to do at the time, which is something. So they scratch together two weeks to flatten the curve. I was skeptical at best, but I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm fine with that. And then we go through two weeks, and then it gets extended and extended and so on and so forth, and things just keep going. But we did something. So throughout the course over the past two years, hyperbole, straw man arguments have governed us. And the people making all those decisions are unelected bureaucrats. They've been there for decades. They don't represent the people. They represent their industry. They represent whatever lobby, the pharmaceutical industry or Raytheon or, or the, 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 the military industry. They don't represent you. It's their self-interest. So this government of the people has nothing to do with the American people whatsoever. It's just crowd control. But then we keep jumping from, you know, whatever hot-button issue is, is to be, you know, shouted from the rooftops, and then whatever, you know, you know tribe you ascribe to, jump on that side, jump on this side, when nobody takes a tempered minute to look at just what is the situation, what are the ground rules, does it fit within our Constitution, or does it not? What are we supposed to do? And your elected official is the last person that needs to tell you what you are supposed to do. And that brings in the Department of Homeland Security. They established their Ministry of Truth or their uh, Disinformation Board. We're now the Department of Homeland Security, also unelected. We don't vote for them. Um, they're going to pick and choose what truth is, what speech, and they cloak it in safety. Again, we go back to safety. Public health or um, foreign threats. Meanwhile, the same people that stated that the, the Hunter laptop was Russian disinformation, 50 of the top brass in the intelligence community came out and said, this is likely, obviously, Russian disinformation. And then the woman speaking that, that, that 100% with all fact that that was Russian disinformation now heads this ministry of truth. Um, when asked about it, um, Homeland Security had, had uh, Mayorkas, he just says, I don't know anything about her, but somehow she's the one that's going to lead this whole disinformation wing of the Department of Homeland Security. Then the Fed says that uh, the uh, inflation might be a little bit worse than uh, they were initially thinking. Well, just a few months ago, they were calling inflation transitory and that it's a good thing. It's a sign that our economy is growing. Transitory inflation is a, a myth. It's a fable. It's a, it, it's a smart-sounding phrase so that the people that are going to vote for them this year 
um, might buy, and it might buy them a little bit more time. But then everything starts happening. Every uh, the gasoline goes through the roof. Gasoline started going through the roof the day Joe Biden took office. It had ticked up a bit um, in the months leading up to that. But gee, what happened the, in the months leading up to that? Our um, energy independent, friendly president uh, did not win the election. And uh, our, our energy sector is a commodities-based. It's, it's based on the futures. What do you think somebody that says that they are going to kill fossil fuels in the next 10 years, 12 years, 15 years? What do you think the industry is going to do? Well, they're going to kill supply. So, of course, the prices started going up. Then Joe goes in. He signs all of his executive orders. And guess what happens? They start going through the roof. Now here we are. Squabbling over, oh, gas is, is just under $5 a gallon, or it's just over $4. You know, the crude is, is, is trading at uh, 106 instead of the 112 it was the day before. Everything that we have here in America and across the globe is based on our supply chain. And they're intentionally killing it. Meanwhile, the inflation is transitory. Well, now it's hitting home. Now you can't go to the grocery store and just get everything that you would normally get. You can't fill your shopping cart for what you did two years ago. Most people are having to make decisions about, okay, do we get this beef or this, uh, do we go with the beef or we go with the chicken or whatever? What's, well, what's left at the store? But that's all supposed to be transitory, and people bought that. Well, it's, it's not going to change until something drastic happens. And unfortunately, now they're talking about rumors of recession where they were saying, no, 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 our economy is never going to go through that. We're, we're safe from a recession. This is transitory. It's just going to, it's a little speed bump and the economy is going to pick up. Supply chain issues are going to start resolving themselves. Okay, well, right when the supply chain starts resolving itself, guess what happens? China decides it's going to shut everything down again. They're back to welding doors shut. So everything that we get that comes from China, back on hold. So we're going to see the whole container ships all stacked up next year the same way they were last year. We're going to see people screaming about that they can't get anything that they've ordered, that they want, the basics. We're talking baby formula right now. Baby formulas in short supply. Oh, there was a recall. Well, I'm pretty sure the baby formula industry has been through recalls before. It's not anything new. This supply chain, the transitory inflation. And by the way, when the president says that he's cut deficits this year by a trillion dollars, all that means is he said that, well, you know what? We're probably not going to spend the $4 trillion we spent last year. We're not going to print $4 trillion of made-up money and, and further liquidate our, our economy. You know what? We're going we're gonna to show some restraint. We're not going to spend a no, that extra trillion on nothing. So what do you think is going to happen? He gets to walk around saying he's reducing the deficit. Really? Anyhow, we're going back to the Supreme Court 
and this is it's a it's a difficult issue for a lot of people to talk about it's it's at the same time it's a basic one the very right to life and the issue is whether or not our nation as a whole as a group is going to support the right to end the life of a child in the womb and it keeps it keeps coming up this roe versus wade has been for 50 years it's been challenged on a lot of different levels but it's always been challenged on precedent well, the, that's the, the, the precedent is that that's the law of the land at the time. And then all the subsequent laws following that are now beholden to that previous law, when in fact that is not the case. The Supreme Court deemed that Roe versus Wade was the law of the land, but at the same time the premise itself, should abortion ever have been made it to the Supreme Court, and that was one thing that I, re I really liked when I started listening to uh, uh, Justice uh, Antonin Scalia before he passed. Because he was the, I, in my opinion, he was the most constitutionally minded justice on the court. It always fell back to what uh, the American truth is. That we're in a nation of laws. So our truth is enumerated in the Constitution of the United States. Anything outside that's not listed therein, in the tenth, the tenth Amendment explains that anything that's not in that Constitution has to go back to the states and we can't rule on it. The only way for the Supreme Court to make something law is to actually physically change the Constitution of the United States. That means make an amendment. That would require that all 50 states, a majority of all 50 states, say this is what we want to do. Well that, well, that didn't happen with Roe versus Wade. They did some legal gymnastics. They worked around several different amendments to cobble together some way that they could say that that's law and it's 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 somehow falls within the purview of the United States Constitution. That didn't happen. Well, this particular case, um, the Supreme Court looked at it in a different way. They looked at it based on precedent because. Should this be here to begin with? Then all of a sudden, there's a, a leak from the Supreme Court, which is just doesn't happen. Is that as, as Justice Alito had drafted the opinion of what is potentially the majority of the court, all of a sudden it gets leaked to the press. By the way, this is an election year. Things aren't looking good for the president. So all of a sudden, the Supreme Court does something unprecedented and lets out this rough draft of the, the opinion of the majority of the court. Guess what happens? Everybody, hair on fire. Here comes the hyperbole. Here comes the straw man arguments. Here comes, you know, the, the whole, now people are going to die because of this. Democracy is dead. Well, the fact that they return the power to the states, because the states are the, the microcosm of our country, that's where democracy lives, is in each state. Your local legislatures, your state legislatures, that's where all of the, the power of the people resides. So they return the power back to the people, and of course, everybody's going nuts because they're stealing democracy. It's the end of democracy as we know it. And then you look at the argument and just go back to when life began based 
on what they knew back in 1973. They didn't have sonograms. They could they could pick up a fetal heartbeat. They didn't know that that uh, that that the child inside can feel pain. That they suck their thumbs. They didn't have any of that technology, so it kind of. I think maybe gave a lot of people a detachment that it is like that uh, childbirth is a, a condition. It could be an ailment if you want to look at it that way or a blessing if you decide to bring a child full term. Well, it's been 50 years, 50 years of scientific advancement where we're seeing life grow. We're seeing a human being like nobody ever dreamed of 50 years ago. We're, we're looking at life that can be saved inside the womb. We're looking at surgical procedures. Dr. Ben Carson, who ran for president uh, under the Trump administration, he, he led the, the housing and ur- urban development, um, world-famous neurosurgeon, separated two conjoined twins They were joined at the head. They shared part of their brain was shared. He separates these two twins. Dr. Ben Carson, of all people, said, having been someone who has operated on a child inside the womb, I can tell you that they do feel pain, and that is a real life. So after two years of us clamoring about, you know, follow the science, follow the science, well, actually 50 years of actual science, maybe life doesn't begin once the child exits the womb. So the root of the argument is, is are, you, are you comfortable with ending the life of a human being inside of the womb? That's where our Supreme Court may or may not, and based on the pressure from the outside, you've got people protesting outside the home of, of uh, Justice Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett. Will they, will they cave to the pressure that's around them, the political pressure of, 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 of part of our government that wasn't ever to be political? Time will tell. But at the same time, here we are deciding whether or not killing an infant inside the womb is a federal issue or is it a state issue. Well, in my opinion, if the people of California, if the majority of them want to kill a child, there's actual legislation saying that you can end the life of a child even after birth. And if that's the state of California, if that's the will of those people, then so be it. Let California decide that. But if you want to go to my home state here in Florida, the free state of Florida, and we have a 15-week abortion um, law that means after 15 weeks it's off limits, then that's the people of Florida. All of our counties, we elected these people, the legislature, the state legislature, they make those laws, and, and so be it. That's the state of Florida. But then if you want to move to uh, another state that says zero tolerance, and that's where your heart is, where, where you have a zero tolerance that, that says there, there's no instance whatsoever, no carve-outs 
then so be that. The beauty of our, our, our founders, their, their vision for this, this kind of government we have isn't a top-down government. And at the same time, it's all of the other governments in history leading up to 1776, every single one was led by a king or a dictator. Some of them theocratic. Some of them just at their own whim, wherever they gain more power, but it was always top-down. And all it is is crowd control so they can expand their empires. Our founders saw the value of human individual life and that humans had rights, individual rights, that, you know what, coming from a king, they don't mean nothing. Rights that are just put on paper, they don't mean anything because that same king or the next one behind that one, those can go away. So they developed this form of government of a tempered democracy because they had also seen just, just wild democracy, pure democracy, kind of the, the, the French idea of what a democracy actually is, which is just simple majority rule. And they saw how quickly that can run amok. Because pure de- democracy, it always devolves every single time into tyranny. Someone finally corrals all the masses and say, hey, this is getting out of control. We need somebody to lead us. And next thing you know, brand new, bing, bang, boom, brand new tyrant. Our founders said, no, we're going to be a representative republic. That on the local level, the people of those local areas, yeah, they get to make their laws. It's all democratically elected. Each state is a microcosm of a small form of government that still enjoys the blanket protection of the federal government. Everything in the United States Constitution is actually, especially in the Bill of Rights, is a a list of negative powers. The Bill of Rights especially says what the federal government cannot do. And they were very, very specific, very deliberate about these Ten Amendments. So here we are, people screaming from... People in our capital are screaming that democracy is dead. Well, we're not a democracy to begin with. But the crux of the argument is, is where do you believe life begins? Who has the power to end it? And does human life matter at all to anybody else? If you want the federal government to to make all of your decisions for you, then I'm sorry, you're in the wrong country. And by the way, all of the other modernized countries in Europe have far stricter abortion laws than we have here in the United States. And there would never be the the former governor of Virginia's kind of discussion about what to do with a baby after it's born. And the mother's going to have a conversation with the doctor and decide then whether or not the baby should live or die. Those kind of conversations don't happen. So if you want to be more like Europe, then you're going to have to move there. And maybe, maybe then you'll see the difference between our representative republic and whatever notion of democracy you might have. But that's, that's just me. Anyhow, 
moving forward, it looks like we're about time to take yet another commercial break. This will be the final commercial break as we break down the first episode of America's Pal. So stay tuned for the closing thoughts and listen to what we have coming up. This portion of the program is brought to you by Florida Man Adventureland. If you're a Central Florida native and you're tired of all the theme parks built for the out-of-towners, then Florida Man Adventureland is the place for you. It's a theme park built for the Florida Man by the Florida Man. If you think swimming with the dolphins is for chumps and you can swim with the alligators at the Florida Man Lagoon, Fully stocked with gators big enough to take more than a dollar's worth of hamburger off of you. If you dabble in off-label chemistry, then be sure to experience our immersive Stump the Dentist experiment. If firearms suit your fancy, then check out the Florida Man Shooting Emporium. You can take a shot at a wild pig or of a rival gang from our authentic 1996 Chevrolet Impala. Forget all those butterfly encounters. We got a mosquito encounter that will knock your socks off. When you get a path of thirst and a path of hunger, then don't miss out on our bath salt buffet. It will expand your mind. The mouse might have a Chewbacca, but we got our very own skunk ape experience. Try to find him just after our lunch at the bath salt buffet. Don't waste time with a mouse, the whale, or a hulk. Jumpstart your pickup and get down with us at the Florida Man Adventureland, located just east of East Orlando. Welcome back to America's Pal. Boy, there was a lot in this uh, document dump that I have here. That's actually not an Amber Turd reference, but... uh, a lot that we didn't have a chance to get to today, but uh, we've got weeks and weeks to come. We're going to go through everything that happens uh, in the coming weeks. We're also going to have some uh, special guests um, discussing um, anything that might celebrate who our America is. Uh, I've got I've got somebody in mind, especially to talk to about our. Uh, our American veterans, our World War II and Vietnam veterans, and uh, and a charity that is really close to my heart. That'll be coming up soon. But stay tuned next week, Tuesday at noon, for the second episode of America's Pal. And until then, let's let a rip tater chip. <laughs>